episode of something for the people i'm your host b smooth and today my illustrious guest is an educator activist all around great man <laughs> mr brandon corley b, b how you doing i'm good i'm good what's going on uh nothing much uh this is a really late episode because usually i do them back to back to back but like school and school calls so man i hear that and, getting ready to start the school year myself so you know what it's about yeah all right man so you know not be around the bush you know i usually start this okay tell us you know where you were born and what was your family life like growing up all right um so i was born on the south side of chicago uh grew up in inglewood for a good part of my life um Spent some time in some other parts of the city, lived in Hyde Park for a little minute, um, stayed on the low end for a while. Um, then, uh, yeah, then spent some time um, in, some, in some other places, moved to Philly, lived there for a little bit. Then now I'm out in the Bronx. Um, family life was, down <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's di different experience. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yet, uh, I grew up, a, um, I, well, I was the youngest child for the majority of my life. And then I got a little sister when I was like 26. That was odd, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, but grew up in a single parent home, lived with my mother um, and my sister for a long time, lived with my grandmother until uh, right after uh eighth grade she passed right after i graduated eighth grade um mm -hmm. and that's when we left inglewood to go live uh <laughs> oddly enough in south commons <laughs> mm -hmm. so, yeah, so what, what was it like uh growing up in inglewood oh man it was as a as a a young kid i didn't really know how bad it was it's like you know like i had a a lot of family members around so like the people who lived on the corner were my like blood cousins you know um like not just you know black people cousins but like my legit family and so like they were always around and it was always good times i had a lot of friends that i played with on the block um but you know it was when the street lights come on it's time to get on it's time to get back in the house uh, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me until i got a little bit older and i started being able to understand what was going on around me and, and start to see um, some of the things that make Inglewood famous. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, as I got older, I just became a little bit more observant. And, you know, luckily, I didn't really have too many situations that, you know, caused me to really be frightened or fearful or, or anything like that. Uh, so I had a, a pretty good experience. Right. So what, what age did you uh, leave Inglewood? So when I was in fifth grade, the summer before my fifth grade year, my mother moved us um, and we lived in Hyde Park. Fourth grade year. Sorry. The, the, no. Yeah. Fifth. I'm sorry. I'm tripping. The summer before my fifth grade year, we lived in Hyde Park for a year because um, she worked at the University of Chicago Hospital. Um, and so we had an apartment and then the University of Chicago bought the block so that they could build a new medical center. Um, and then I moved back to Inglewood um, and I was there until I graduated from eighth grade. Um, and so the, the middle of my freshman year in high school, I moved mm -hmm. to uh, South Commons. Okay. So, and where for the rest of the time I was in the city. Yeah. So what high school did you go to? Went to the great St. Rita of Kasha High School. Okay. Wonderful okay. institution. <laughs> okay, T tell us about your uh, experience there because I, I believe that's an all-boys Catholic school. On yeah, all-boys Catholic school on 79th and Western. Um, yeah. It was different. Uh, like um, I went, and so, when when i was doing the search for schools you know my mother 
was like, you know, if I'm going to go to a Chicago public school, my options were limited to basically Whitney Young and Kenwood. Um, and so go it was, Broncos. <laughs> so it was either either one of those two or um, or a Catholic school. And so we we went around and we we searched out some schools and St. Rita just seemed like a good fit. And so like, you know, it had my ups and downs there. Uh, you know, a school that's all male was a very different experience. I had a lot of um, concerns about that. And then also being in an environment that was totally different than anything I've known before with the racial dynamics, you know, St. Rita's, you know, um, 60% white or it was 60% white when I went. Um, and so, you know, it was the first time that I like really got to experience racism <laughs> and really got to mm -hmm. see, you know, how other people are. Um, because like I said, the, the schools that I went to were all black before that. This, so, you know, it was a, it was a, a definitely a different experience. Um, it, it was good though. Any like specific racial incidents? Yeah. Um, the, the one that sticks out in my mind the most was my sophomore year. We had a walkathon. Um, we had to walk seven miles to raise money for the school. It was, it was stupid, but you know, it, we had to do it. How high um, that tuition is, y'all? Y'all had to raise money. <laughs> right. And I, and I didn't understand why we had to walk seven miles, but you know, it was what it was. Uh, and so like during the walk, we going through the neighborhood or whatever. And, um, as we got in like mile five, I guess tension started brewing and I don't even really know like what kicked it off, but you could just see that. Niggas are watch, walking too fast. You niggas are walking too fast. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, we was, we was in their neighborhoods and so they was real comfortable. And so, you know, a couple of fights broke out and it was just odd because like, you know, I've seen fights before. I've seen fights at St. Rita, but it just was strange that I saw about three consecutive fights between black dudes and white dudes. And so it was like, all right, what, what's going on here? Um, and then by the time we made it back to campus, you know, it was, it was the McDonald's that was right next door and it got live. Um, and so, you know, I was more of a, a spectator than a participant, but that, that was one of the, one of those times that really stuck out. Like, yeah, this is, yeah. this is different. Yeah, I'm imagining that that scene from Higher Learning when they were in like the cafeteria. Yeah. So was it like that? Yeah. <laughs> that was a, 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 man, y'all beat up Michael Rapp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he deserved it. So, no. <laughs> yeah, so, so, oh no, well, how would you rate your experience at St. Rita? Best coming from Inglewood. Uh, you know, it was it was real positive. Um, you know, made some some really good friends, some, some friends that, you know, have been in my life ever since, uh, you know, people who are like, you know, the best man at my wedding I met at St. Rita, my, my first child's godson, I mean, uh, godfather I met at St. Rita. Um, so, you know, um, I can't complain about it. it. It really taught me a lot about being a man. And then it also taught me a lot about how to deal with other people because like, although there were a lot of times where, you know, it was overt racism and tension. Um, as we got older, um, in like my senior year, I really started building relationships and connecting with people um, outside of, you know, my black friend circle um, and just really trying to like figure out how to relate to other people. And I think it, it really set me up um, to, to learn how to navigate the world and, and really think about like the relationships that you can develop and use them you know to to build your network and to be able to do other things so you know i i wouldn't trade it for the world mm -hmm. okay so after you were at saint rita like what year did you graduate 2001 2001 so where did you transition after at saint rita yeah so uh i went to illinois state university um oh, go redbirds yeah i was <laughs> I was at ISU. I had uh, earned a a scholarship um, that was pretty pretty financially sustaining um, to go to to go to ISU, uh, 
and I fucked that up. Well, I messed that up. <laughs> you, you can cuss, man. I, I, I'm, I'm on Spotify. You can cuss. Excellent. <laughs> so yeah, so so I so I, I fucked that up, um, and I came home after a year. Um, lost my scholarship. Uh, was really down. Went to um, Harold Washington College for a little bit. Um, Harold Washington, I got into a little bit of drama. Um, not not so much with classes, but just with so-called friends and really starting to understand how people um, carry themselves. And so, you know, eventually started having to make decisions about like, what was my future going to be like? And who are the people that I needed in my corner to be able to do the things that I needed to do? Um, so, you know, started to close up my close ranks and, you know, keep my circle a little tighter and um, smaller than what it was before, um, started getting things done in the classroom, left Mal- left uh, Harold Washington and went to Malcolm X, um, was at Malcolm X for about a year and a half um, before I eventually made it to Chicago State where I uh, got my bachelor's in mathematics and secondary education in 2008. All right, so tell us about your time at Chicago State, because I am also an alum of Chicago State. I got my master's in history from there. Yeah, so Chicago State, man, uh, you know, I did not want to be there. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I was trying to do everything I could not to go to Chicago State um, just because you know, I, I felt like it had a negative reputation. It wasn't the most academically acclaimed school, you know. Um, but it, when I got there, you know, again, met a lot of real cool people. Um, it, it helped me to get back on path. It helped me to really kind of, uh, you know, narrow my focus and really get things on track. Um, one of the things that Chicago State is really good for, they, like their College of Education, is you know one of the the best programs in the city um chicago state produces a ton of teachers that teach in cps so uh, that was really good for me um, in my development uh and and being an educator along with some other things so you know i i I had a great time at chicago state and you know by the time i got there i was already a seasoned college student so like i knew how to you know do what i need to do in the classroom and also maintain a a good relationship with folks on campus so I could have a good time and also, you know, was in tune enough to know that, like, if I needed a good party, Chicago State was probably not going to give it to me. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) spent a lot of weekends on the road, uh, you know, up in Milwaukee at Marquette with y'all and down in Champaign at U of I and, you know, a number of other places across the, the state in the Midwest. Yeah. So um, what would you compare? Compare how you were when you went to ISU to the Brandon that went to Chicago State. Um, so, like, I'm I'm smart. I've always been smart. And so, like, intellect wasn't an issue. And I thought that I would be prepared to be independent. But, you know, um, when I got to I State, it was just a whole new a whole new world. Um and it just, I just wasn't ready for, you know, everything that came with making every decision on my own. Um, and so, you know, like my first semester, I didn't do terrible. Like my, my GPA was a 1.9. And so it was like, you know, I was right on the cusp of not being on academic probation. And so like yeah. that kind of, I feel like in hindsight, that messed me up more than anything. Cause like, had I really fucked up my freshman, my, my first semester, then I probably would have been like, oh, okay, I need to hit these books and I need to get it together. But because I was so close, it was like, oh, okay, all I got to do is go to class two or three more times than I did. And, you know, I'll be straight. Um, and then, you know, that didn't work out. Um, and so like towards, like towards April, I kind of realized like I had put myself in a hole that I can't get out of. Um, and I knew what was about to happen. So, you know, my last few weeks on campus, I just tried to live it up uh, because I knew that I was about to be up out of there. Oh uh, <laughs> I ain't going to see y'all next fall, so let's do this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and so, you know, by the time I got to Chicago State, like I said, I, I had experienced a lot um, 
of ups and downs academically. Um, and, and I kind of was also like at that point where, you know, my friends were beginning, the, the friends I, I started college with were beginning yeah. to make their transitions out. Um, and some folks who started school after me <laughs> were beginning to graduate. And so it was like, all right, you know, I got to get this together. Like, this is not, you know, this is not a reflection of who I am. So, um, yeah. by the time I got to Chicago state, like I said, I knew the game. Um, and I think one of the things that I started to like show like the people who were like working on campus was that like, you know, I was a little bit of a different breed than some of the students that were already there. Um, and you know, that I, I like I said, I, I've always felt like I was, you know, really intelligent. I went to, I, I graduated from Beasley, which is, you know, one of the, the best schools and best elementary schools in the city. St. Rita, you know, was a, you, you know, top 100 school in U.S. News and World Report. Um, I went to Illinois State because it was the best school in the state for educators. So, like, you know, I, I always went to good schools and I always did well. And so, you know, going to Chicago State was a little bit, you know, of a, you know, a bit of a step down academically to some of the places I had been to previously. Um, but, you know, I I went and I tried to prove that, you know, not only did I belong there, but like I, I could run it. Um, and so, you know, after I got used to being there, I just killed it. And, you know, my first semester, I, I struggled a little bit, but it was more, again, again the transition. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, it was just, you know, knocking it out. Yeah. All right. So, like, during this time, I know you were involved with Freedom School. Because whenever yeah. I hear about Freedom School, I hear, I'm like, oh, you got to talk to B. Corley. You know, that's the Freedom School, man. Yo, so, tell us, time. how did you get involved with Freedom School? All right. Uh, so, I'm going to tell a little bit of a long story, and I'm going to cut out some details. <laughs> but um, I, had a, I had a girlfriend who was living... She was going to U of I um, and she was going to be down in Champaign for the summer. And we were at a point in our relationship where it was like, yo, we can really keep going and this could be a, a, a real good thing or we could cut this off and, you know, let it go now and just move on. And so, like, in the last ditch effort, she was like, why don't you come down here for the summer? Because, you know, I was in Chicago not really doing nothing. And I was like, you know, I don't have no problem being down there, but you got to find me a job if you want me to come down there. Um, and so, you know, she hooked me up with freedom school, uh, and you know, the, the rest is history. Like it, it was truly a life changing experience. Um, you know, the thing that the children's defense fund does with freedom schools is that they have this, so freedom schools is this, um, it's a reading enrichment program. Um, and so it's not intended to teach young people how to read, but it's intended to instill a love of reading and a passion for learning. Um, and what they do, it's a national program. And what they do is they get these college interns from all across the country and they have them come down to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, and so part of the training is at the University of Tennessee and another part is on the Alex Haley farm. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, being surrounded by a thousand you know, mostly black folks from across the country, young college students that's going to be working with kids all summer, um, talking about reading, talking about a love of learning, you know, making up chants about reading books, um, meeting civil rights icons, meeting some uh, um, some authors of books that I had read and had loved as a as a child, um, and I would be you know teaching those books to to young people that summer, so it was a really dope, really life life changing. Um, experience then i got back to champagne um and you know again without giving too many details me and the relationship with the young lady didn't work out <laughs> but luckily some of my my good friends were down there for the summer so they let me um post up on their couch um uh, but you know like that was a real that was a a bad summer for me personally in, in that relationship um and and freedom school really was the only thing that really kept me mentally grounded through all of it. So, you know, I, I was very appreciative for the experience. Um, and so the next summer I went back to Champaign, um, got an apartment on my own, uh, me and John Lee, 
because uh, <laughs> he went to school down there for a summer um, and did things a little bit different because, you know, now, again, know, knowing what I, I was getting into. Oh, 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 it was. <laughs> we had a blast. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, um, when I went, bef- when I was preparing for my second summer, it was like, you know, this is cool and I enjoy the site that I'm at, but I wanted to bring this home um, to Chicago. So, you know, I had started conversations with a few different people about what it means to open up a site. Um, I had met with a, a few different pastors from churches because, um, you know, a lot of freedom schools were based in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I went to uh, the congregation that I grew up, um, Bethel Imani Lutheran Church in Inglewood, talked to the pastor at the time, Dr. Raymond Lagania, um, and then, you know, just set it up like, you know, this is what we're trying to do. Um, you know, and he was like, you know, what's it going to cost me? I was like, nothing. We're just going to be in the church. We're going to try not, we're going to try to do our best not to, you know, tear your church up, <laughs> you know, and he's like, you know, well, all right, well, you know, do your thing. Um, whatever support you need from me, you got it. <laughs> I, I remember he had asked me, um, about some of the, the elements of the program. I was like, yeah, every Wednesday we got to have a parent meeting. And he was like, you ain't going to get no parents to come out, um, and I shocked his ass, like, you know, two weeks, two weeks into the program, he had, you know, 50 parents in his, in the back of his church. And he was like, yo, how do y'all do this? Like, yo, this is, we just know what we doing. <laughs> we taking care of these people's kids. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of got this figured out. Um, so, you know, our, our freedom school site, uh, was, was dope. Um, and it could have been way better if I had, you know, if I had um, done a better job of fundraising, um, you know, our first year we had hit a financial crunch um, and people didn't get paid on time. But um, because I was really good at what I did um, and I made some good connections with the people in the national staff, um, some folks uh, looked out for me and connected me with some some funders that helped us, you know, to get back on top. Um, in the second year, we did a lot better with raising money. And then in the third year, you know, um, the recession hit. And so, you know, we had we had an abundance of money that we were promised. Um, and then because <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, the financial state of the country had changed, you know, a lot of those promises were, you know, reneged. And so, you know, I wound up having to sit down with my staff, like, look, the rest of this summer is going to be, we all volunteering, you know, um, like it's so bad that we can't even buy chart paper. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my mother um, spent all of her money to support the program. Cause my mother, I, I, I was the project director. I chose my mother to be the executive director of the program. Um, so I picked my mom to be my boss. <laughs> um, you know, um, we we that? lost it was it was cool like you know she she knew that i knew what was what to do and and so she she fell back and let me do my job um you know at the times where i needed guidance you know she stepped in but you know she she let me run the program the way i saw fit um and we you know we i always had a great relationship with my mom so like we didn't have too many arguments about you know what to do freedom school wise um but yeah she, so you know she she really supported me you know so much so that like we she she stopped paying her mortgage so that we could have our freedom school site so you know at the end of that third summer not only was my staff completely broke because we were out of money but like i was legitimately homeless <laughs> you know um <laughs> you know so like in the service of the community, you know, we, we put ourselves in a, in a bad spot. Um, and so, you know, she wound up having, uh, to sell the place that we were in, we wound up living, um, in a house, uh, on like, like 95th and like, like 95th and Halstead, like a little around that area. Um, so around like Woodson library. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was there for about a year before um, I had the opportunity to move to Philly. 
Um, but, you know, I continue to do other things with Freedom School. Um, so, like, again, not only was I running my site in Chicago, but I was uh, what's referred to as an elevator trainer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had the responsibility of teaching people all across the country the model for Freedom School. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that. That was I met again, met great people um, all over the place. I got to build relationships with folks who would fly me to their city to do different trainings. Um, make friendships with folks across the country, uh, be able to network with people who still are doing great things, um, you know, um, and just, you know, use that to really position myself to do some things that I could never really imagine myself doing. So how long were you like sitting with Freedom School? Uh, I think I did Freedom Schools for like nine or 10 years um, as a, yeah, two years as a servant leader, four years as an Ella Baker trainer. Um, I was able to open up, again, like my site in, in Inglewood. I opened up a Freedom School site in Milwaukee um, that, you know, continued to remain open for years after I left the site. Um, after I graduated from being a trainer, I was invited back to be a consultant for a couple of years. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I spent a, a good time of my you know, um, young adult years uh, in freedom school. Um, and it, again, like I said, it really shaped me and really put me on the path to, to the things that I, you know, am doing in life now. All right. So let's, let's go back a little bit. Like you say, you graduated from Chicago State in 2008 with a degree in mathematics and secondary education. Yeah. So what, what did you do with that? Uh, so, um, you know, I graduated, so I finished my course, I finished student teaching in December. Um, and so, like, I didn't want to get a job in a school mid-year. So I worked in this after-school program called the Young People's Project, um, which mm-hmm. was a math and social justice uh, organization. Um, and it was really dope. Um, and it really helped me to, like, again, pick up some some things that I could use in the classroom. Um helped me to think about like how the content that I had a real strong understanding of could be used as a tool for social justice. Um, and so I did that for a couple months um, before Freedom School started. And then when Freedom School started, mm-hmm. I dipped. So, so, you know, I could do my thing there, over there. Um, but again, you know, making a connection because of the program I, I was running, I had uh, YPP come in and you know do afternoon activities and do some math programming with my my uh my kids at freedom school um my first teaching job was at rich central high school um in olympia field yeah that's 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 different from uh inglewood oh yeah it is it was (laughs) you know it was it was the fake thuggery was amazing. Like it was so many kids talking about like the trap. I'm like, yo, your mom makes three hundred thousand dollars. Shut your ass up. You don't know nothing about trapping. Um, but it was like, you know, <laughs> that was when I was able to see, you know, black privilege. <laughs> you know, like the the wealth dynamics and like you know, looking at you know, uh, wealth and poverty in a different light. Because you know, now I'm an adult and now I can see things from a different perspective and you know, the way people would carry themselves and, 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 the, and the different politics, you know, like, you know, teachers approaching me like, you know, be careful how you talk to some of these kids because, you know, they'll, they'll have your job. And, you know, like I was never scared, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, I started, you know, again, using that Inglewood mentality and just being observant and watching out <laughs> for what was going on around me. Um, but, you know, it was, it was cool. Like the funny thing about it, like, um, I had went to the interview for the school and like legit, I, I told everybody like, this is my practice interview. I have no desire to work at this school. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just going <laughs> so I can see what it's like to interview, to be a teacher. Um, and then, you know, the principal was this black dude. He was a, he was an Omega. Um, and, you know, he was, I don't know. I, I, I found him very interesting. And so like when he mm-hmm. called and offered me the job, I was like, sure, I'll take it. Um, and again, thinking to myself, like, yo, I'm just, I'm just gonna have this in my back pocket. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we had a, a long conversation, and then it was just like, you know what, I'm not 
I'm here. This is what it's going to be. I'm not looking nowhere else. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I probably am one of the, the rare folks to get, you know, the first job for in their first interview, you know, to be a teacher. Um, and when I got to Red Central, I sucked. Um, I was terrible. <laughs> like, so you, know, so you taught was, math? Yeah, I was, I was a math teacher and I had the, the lowest passing rates of all of the teachers in the school. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I thought I was, you know, doing Maybe that a good made job. You the best teacher. <laughs> right. That, that's what I thought until, you know. I'll be Corley. Yo, hello. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, my bad. All right, yeah. you you back. <laughs> yeah, I had I had got a call. I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll edit that. I'll edit that in post production. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So the I might get another call in a second. So, um, but yeah. So like one of the one of the veteran teachers pulled me to the side um, and just you know put me on. It was like you know nobody wants a teacher that's going to fail everybody. Like no no administrator wants that on his staff. And so it's like you know I get it. Uh, and so that really helped me to understand, you know, how I need to improve my practice. Uh, and so, you know, I really focused um, on, on perfecting my craft and, and an opportunity presented itself to move to Philly to start a new school um, because, you know, one of my good friends, um, he was aligned with the organization who had done freedom schools in Philly and they were trying to take the freedom schools model and turn it into a high school and so I was like, I definitely got to be a part of that. Um, and so, you know, again, uh, you know, God be looking out for me because I went to I went to Philly to visit a friend of mine. Um, he was like, yo, I got to go lock up this office. I was like, cool, I'll come in with you. When I walked in the room, the lady that was sitting at this table was like, great. Now all we need is a math teacher. And I'm thinking she's just being funny. So I'm like, yo, I'm a math teacher. And so she looked at me. I looked at her. She looked at me. I looked at her. And she was like, what do you know about Freedom School? I was like, I'm an Ella Baker trainer. I know everything about Freedom School. And so then she looked up and was like, brother, what's your name? <laughs> so, you know, we got into a conversation. Um, and this was, you know, Dr. Aisha Imani. Um, and so she, uh, we, we talked and it, it wasn't an interview. It was a, a conversation about what it's going to be like to move to Philly and teach in this school. Um, and so it was, you know, she offered me the job. I accepted, um, spent a couple years out there. Uh, you know, at the time I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. So it was like, you know, I never had a desire to leave Chicago, but you know, now is the time to do it. Um, and so, you know, made my way to Philly, didn't really know what I was going to be getting myself into, but, uh, you know, I really loved it. Um, really loved the opportunity to see what it's like to, be in a school from the ground up, um, organize things, uh, teach in an African-centered space, um, you know, really pick up on a culture and then, you know, learn a new city, you know. Um, and this was like when Meek Mill was, you know, you know, shit braids Meek Mill, you know, I'm in my bag, Meek Mill, you know. And so it was like, you know, I got there right when he was starting to, you know, get his buzz. So, you know, I, I, I really you know, was around this, that place at a good time. Um, what then, what know, part of Philly were you in? I lived in West Oak Lane. Um, so it was mm -hmm. like, uh, I really can't tell you. Um, it was, so the neighborhood was West Oak Lane. The, the, the school was in Frankfurt. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, not really, you know, the, the most popular place, you know, West Philly is what they talk about a lot. They talk about North Philly a lot. Um, South Philly is where, you know, all of the stadiums and everything is. And so, like, I guess we were, like, Northeast um, Philly. All right. So you, uh, you weren't there where, 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 the, where the action was. Right. No, I was definitely, I was, I was chilling. I mean, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, you know, Frankfurt gave me some Inglewood vibes, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, again, because, because of where I grew up, I was able to build a connection with my kids quick, you know, 
they they love talking to me about Chicago and like, you know, you know Kanye? Like, no, nah, I don't know Kanye. You know, uh, and they would always say, you know, make jokes about the way I talk and say I sound funny. And I just flip it back on them like, no, nah, y'all the ones that sound funny to me. So, you know, we had a good time. Did they say um, you sound country? Oh, all the time. They used to yeah. ask me to say certain <laughs> words. Say car. Like, yo, shut up. <laughs> I, I, but yeah, uh, that's what I that's what that's what people know I'm from Chicago when they when they, when I say the word when I say car instead of car. <laughs> yeah. And and that used to crack them up. And so, you know. But you know, I, I really grew as a teacher out there too. Um, but then I stretched myself a little bit too much and started doing too many things. Um and so just like again, just was growing up and trying to figure out life. And so uh I had met this girl that lived in New York, um, and so was trying to figure out what was next and you know, I had asked her to move to Philly and she said no. And so it's like, well, you know, I'm a I'm a black male math teacher. It has not been difficult for me to find jobs. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we could let's see what what New York is like. Um, so I took the risk and, you know, made my way out here. Hey, so. So if people don't know the story. The, the woman that he moved to New York for eventually became his wife. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. Uh, so when did you know? I asked this. I've been asking this about a lot of guys lately. When did you know that you were ready to be married? Ah oh, man. Um. So like I said before, I left Chicago. I was in a long term relationship. Um, and like I, I, I wanted her to be the one, but she just wasn't like you know she was a great person and nothing against her um but like where i was at in my life i was not ready for the the commitment like we were on different paths um like she was ready for marriage and i wasn't um i was still there was some things that i still had to do um and so then i moved to philly and just you know like i said was having a good time i had actually met my my wife um before i had gotten out there um and so like we were friends but, you know, she was in New York. I was in Philly. So it was like, you know, she was a friend and I had some other friends, um, you know, but as time moved on, it was like, what am I what am I doing and why am I what am I doing all this for? Um, and, you know, what what is the life that I want to have and how do I how do I build that? And, you know, I was having a, a conversation with, you know, my mother and she was like, you know, you got to find you a companion, like, you know, somebody like relationships aren't just about, you know, the the elements of love and everything, but like, you don't want to go through this journey of life by yourself. Like you can do it. You're a strong black man and you are powerful and you could do whatever it is, but life is so much easier when you have a companion. Um, and so it was like, okay, you know, I was thinking about that. And again, you know, me and Asia were, you know, we were building, um, not on purpose, but you know, we just, I, I was falling in love. Um, and so one day she, we were on the phone, December 1st, 2010, she called me up and she was like, yo, uh, a friend of mine wants to take me on a date. And I told her, no, you my girlfriend. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> um, which was weird because like I had, after I had gotten out of my last relationship, I told myself, I'm never gonna have a girlfriend again. Um, I'm gonna find somebody to fall in love with and I'm gonna ask her to marry me. Um, but you know, life didn't work out that way. Um, and so when when Asia was like, yo, I I think this dude's trying to holler at me, like, nah, that's that's not what's gonna happen. Um, and so, you know, locked that up and then you know, we we started making moves kind of fast. Um, and so, you know, Asia was truly my best friend. Um, we we could talk to each other about anything. Um, and so we just got to a point where it was like, you know, let's 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 continue to make new steps in our relationship. Um, and so I got to the point where I was ready to move in with her. And then we got to the place where, you know, we were ready to get married. But, you know, on that path, you know, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of, you know, <laughs> doing dumb things and doing things that you know never have never that i like cheat on her or anything but just you know 
not making the wisest of decisions and trying to have to figure out like how my actions play an impact on somebody else or you know how how do i communicate so that you know we have a common understanding and so like you know just just really growing up um and and having it nice to have somebody that was also growing up with me um and you know we grew up together and, and you know started to you know create a great family yeah all right so yeah you you're married and you also have uh two children i believe yeah two two, two kids yes. You better find some wood to knock on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you may be growing up in a single parent household, but now now you're in like the traditional nuclear family. Like, what are you trying to like instill in your children that you didn't have when you were growing up? Yeah, so like I mean, the you know my father had his struggles you know he I, I never i never my father is no longer alive um and what when he was here i never believed that he didn't love me but it was hard because he was you know addicted to drugs in and out of prison and so like our relationship was very much fractured um and so you know by the time i got to the point where i was you know like one i had always you know told myself that I didn't want to have kids until I got married. Um, and so like, I was happy that, 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 that worked out. But also, you know, by the, by the time that, you know, my daughter got here, Aubrey, it was like, all right, you know, I got to be a presence in her life. Um, like I, I was scared because I was raising a girl. Um, and like, I knew who I was as a person. And so it was like, karma was about to come hit me in a couple of years. Um, so, you know, like nervous about that, but just, you know, also just saying to myself, like, I got to be a father and I got to be a presence in my kid's life. Um, and so, you know, not only am I, you know, going to commit and make sure that me and the, the women that I love are together and we, we build this thing. But like, you know, I want to show my my children, um, you know, what I, I wanted to be the example. Like they, I didn't need them to go. I don't want them to go look for, you know, people to look up to like. They can look up to the people that live in their house. Um, and so, you know, just do everything I, I need to do in, in order to let them see, like, you know, this is how you are able to create the life that you want and not have mm -hmm. to rely on others. All right, man. So what's, what's B. Corley up to right now, living in the Bronx? What, what are you doing now outside of being a great husband, great father? <laughs> I am the... I am the, the academic director of South Bronx Community Charter High School. Um, it is one of the schools that I opened. Um, I've had the privilege of um, being a school designer, creating a model and opening four high schools out here in New York City. Um, and so uh, SBC uh, is the school that I'm currently at. Uh, academic director, we have a co-leadership model where there's no principal. Um, so there's it's three people in, in leadership. So you can kind of like think of me as one third of the principals of the school. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, we are a few days away from starting our fourth year, gearing up for our first senior class. Uh, you um, get the first graduation, the first senior prom. <laughs> yeah. All, all of that. Uh, you know, so yeah. just getting ready for, you know. Uh, the whirlwind that's to come. Yeah. So what, what got you into like basically creating your own school? Was it from the freedom school experience? Yeah. Like, um, when I, so like, like I said, before I started freedom school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And then when I was in freedom school, when I, when I got down there for national training for the first time, it was like, yo, my impact as a teacher is very, is going to be limited. I'm going to need to do more than just teach. Um, I think I want to be a principal. You know what? I want to, I want to open up my own school. Um, and so like down there, the, the seeds got planted. And so it was like, you know, the part of the reason I opened up my own freedom school site is so I can see what it's like to be in control of something and run, run a program, run an, an educational institution. 
part of the reason I worked in Philly was to work at a school that was being developed and, and being the first teacher so that I could have that experience of knowing what it's like to be in the school um, from day one. Um, and so like just really being strategic about some of my moves so that when I got in a position to do this thing, you know, I could do it right. Um, and I, you know, I had told myself that, you know, it was going to 10 years and 10 years in, I'm going to be able to open up my own school. And then, you know, in my fifth year as a teacher, uh, I got an email again from my mom, you know, um, and she had found out about this school design program. I applied for it. I got, um, it was, you know, thousands of applicants from across the country. They selected 10 folks. Um, I was blessed to be one of the 10 school designers that were, that they, that they chose. Um, and we created a model that was built on how we can, um, change not just graduation rates for black and Latino males, but help them to be more college and career ready. Um, and so we did a lot of tours of schools across the country. We looked at schools across New York city, um, and was looking at how we can develop a unique model, um, to do some really awesome and dope things both in the district space and in the charter space. And so um, our, our goal was to open eight schools. Um, we, we, the DOE allowed us to open three um, schools that year. I was blessed to be a leader of a, a high school in New York um, before I had a master's degree, before I, I had a license to be a principal. Um, I was running the school. Um, politics started to play its game. And so then, yeah. you know, I, I found myself in a, a different position in the DOE, um, but still connected to the program. Um, some of my partners had continued to go down the path to open up a charter school. They asked me to be a board member of the charter school. I did that um, about a year and a half in. They asked me to, uh, the, the leaders of the school approached me and said, yo, we need you in the building. Um, Stand by. B. Corley had to answer his phone. And I would just wait for him to come back. I might insert some music. I might just keep this. I like I like how this is. This is good. This is good. This is good radio. Good podcasting. He'll be back. <laughs> I'm gonna insert a Kanye West song in for that period. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Be cool. I can hear you. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, my fault. Can you hear me? No, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to put like um, my Curtis Mayfield song in, in between. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I might just keep it, man. It's, it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my bad about that. No, man, no, man it's fine, man. I've, I've had other things happen in between these. I have people open doors. I have people uh, yell at me because I'm in their house recording. Hello. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> So, so what's what's next for the Bronx Community School? You know, being a a charter school, we have to prove our worth. So, um, you know, uh, we, you know, when they when they gave us the opportunity to open the school. They told us, you know, you got five years to prove your program. And so, you know, next year will be our fifth year. And so really doing everything that we can to show that, you know, our model can be a successful one, um, can be one that can be scalable. Um, and like I said, you know, we when we opened our schools, we had the, the idea. Um, and we, we never changed. We never flipped on that. So, you know, still the desire to open up more schools. Um, and also, you know, um, for me personally, not just 
thinking about how we can support the development of black and Latino students, um, black and Latino males, especially to be college and career ready. Um, but what are the things that I can do personally to um, bring more male teachers of color into the classroom? How can I personally develop more male, uh, male teachers of colors to be leaders in schools? Um, and so, you know, really just thinking about not just helping and, and, and getting kids out into the next step, but really trying to change um, and change the face of education and make, you know, some shifts and some bold moves that folks, you know, had to tackle before. All right. Thank you so much. So this was part of the episode where I usually let the guests take over. So any topic that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Man, um, yeah, I was I, I was thinking about this, um, because like I had like I said I had been listening to some episodes and was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to bring up, um, and so I wanted to kind of take you back to a, a, a different podcast that you were a part of. Um, okay. And one once upon a time, you uh, you and John and Zach, y'all had uh. <laughs> Y'all had a conversation about the greatest R and B album of all time. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I, if you, if you, if y'all go back on SoundCloud and find an episode, I, I blew up at one point because <laughs> of what I consider the greatest R and B album of all time. <laughs> so, uh, so V, what do you, what, what is your greatest R and B album of all time? If you unmute your mic. Oh, my fault. My fault. Um, <laughs> it was it was real interesting hearing the debate uh, because uh, you all came to the consensus of uh, Anita Baker rapture. Um, and it was no, like, you know, it wasn't a consensus. It was it was two against okay. one. I voted Marvin Gaye. <laughs> all right. You know, um, to me, it was, uh, you know, songs in the keys of life. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I feel like Stevie Wonder is the greatest lyricist of all time. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, uh, I think y'all got him out of there kind of early too, or it, he might have he might have lasted a, a while. But you know, yeah. I was just I, I was heartbroken that you know that that didn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, I think with the whole thing, they were they were going off nostalgia. I was I was going off just. Is it the best? Not how you felt at the time. I was like, is it the best? Right. So I was just like, okay, I'm gonna go like Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Prince. And they were they weren't hearing that. They was they would no I no the part that I, where I blew up was when they uh when they put music soul child over D'Angelo. Yeah, that I was, was I was <laughs> I was like, yo, like um Music is cool, you know what I'm saying? I ain't going to hate on music, but like, yo, D'Angelo, that Brown Sugar was a classic. Like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> I was like, I was like, Brown Sugar, voodoo. Like, come <laughs> on. That man got naked to sell that album. You going to respect right. it. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was, that was definitely, you know, one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard. Uh <laughs> You know, but yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna, we gonna bring it back. We uh, we just gotta coordinate schedules because you know, our our brother Zach is getting married soon. Yeah, shout out to Zach. Yo, it was another another crazy episode when he had put something up talking about like he was engaged and shit, and then I hit him up yeah. like, congratulations. He's like, yo, fuck everybody that hit me up, congratulating me. Like, yo, <laughs> like you right, you right. I I can't even be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you said makes absolute sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We we gonna get it once once he you know goes through that those newlywed things. We are gonna get it back together. So probably like probably New Year twenty twenty January twenty twenty. Bring it back. That's what's up. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. <laughs> yeah, because I'll be like pretty much finished with coursework, so I'll have free time just to research and pretend to write this dissertation. <laughs> That's what's up. So like. 
my question was like, what what kind of got y'all thinking that like this is what you want to do? You want to be in this podcast thing? You want to, you know, share share the information that you know is in y'all heads and you know use this, you know, try to reach people. Well, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts at the time, and I was just thought, I'm like, these guys are whack. Mm. So <laughs> we can do it better. Like, our conversations are much better. And I got to tell you, like, it was certain stuff that we couldn't talk about because we was naming names. But yeah, like, I, 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 I got your email. I can email you because we had, like, things I called the post show. They were... <laughs> Oh, they they talked. Uh, Zach talked a lot of freedom school stuff that you know we can't talk about on air. So right. I, I emailed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely got a lot of. Um, you know, I'm a married man now, um, yeah. but I my memory is not not too terrible that I could share some things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we get it back together, man, we'll bring you on. You know, as a guest, and we can just let's talk about whatever. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So like as always when I when I wrap up the show, uh I ask my guests three things. The last book you read, last film you watched, last song you listened to. All right. Um The last book I read Amina in the Pink Polka Dot Rain Boots. <laughs> uh it's a, a girl. Who wanted it to rain so she could wear her side. Like um, I make it a point to read to my daughter every night. Her favorite stories right now. So uh Amina and the Pink Polka Dotted Rain Boots uh is the last book that I read. <laughs> um the last song what I'm I'm uh so not the last song, but the 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 album that I've been listening like so Common's album dropped today, and so like I haven't had a chance to yeah to connect with that yet um but so after we get off i'm probably going to try to put that put that on but um little brother dropped the album about a week ago um, yes and so yes. like you know i've been i've been deep into that uh and so just just been taking myself back to little brother's new album uh and the last movie oh what was the last movie that i saw um Trying to think. Um, I can't even think of the last. Oh no, no. The last movie that I watched was the Meek Mill documentary, uh, and that was oh, is it, that's that's really uh, well put together. That's on Amazon, right? This uh, is that on Amazon? It might be I on, think, on I, Netflix. I, I think it's I think it's on Netflix. It's either on Netflix or Showtime. Um, okay. But it was really well, really well put together. Um, and again, being somebody who spent a little time in Philly, uh, it was interesting to see how that story kind of played out, you know. Um, so the things that was happening while I was there, but not really attuned to, partly because that wasn't my, my you know, my native land. Um, but, but also, you know, just not being in those circles and not really, you know, um, seeing that life and just... You know, it, it kind of changed the perspective that I had for me because, you know, I thought he was just a little clown. Um, and yeah. it was just like, you know, you got what you deserved. But then, you know, that that piece really highlighted how the justice system really does us dirty. And so, you know, it kind of really just strengthened my, you know, my resolve to be a better educator and really, you know, think about the way that I interact with, you know, the young black and Latino males that's in my school and in my presence, um, you know, because, you know, they, they look at me different and they trust me because, you know, I look like them and I've come from situations that are similar to theirs. Um, and so, you know, I have a responsibility that, you know, I got to protect them. Um, and so, you know, really just thinking about this upcoming year, you know, how, how do I push, how do I push things a little bit further? Um, and how do I, you know, kind of create opportunities for them to do, uh, to, to, you know, create the life that they want so that they aren't necessarily put in the position that guys like Meek or, you know, guys, you know, that I grew up in Inglewood, um, you know, 
haven't been able to work themselves out. Oh man, that's dope. I got I got to check that out. And that's the swing back to little brother. We, and when we bring you on, I think we're gonna do an episode on underrated rappers because we got to put Fonte. Oh my God, Fonte, yeah. Fonte! Like when people ask me who my my fa- favorite rappers, Fonte is always in my top five. And you know, rarely say that. Do do I get the response? Or do I get something other than who is that? Um, and you know, like what there would be no Drake if there was no Fonte, in my opinion. You know, like. Fonte kills that singing, rapping shit. You know, um, he crazy lyricist. You know, uh, the Minstrel Show was one of the funniest, dopest albums that I listened to. You know, I still, still, you know, when when life is bringing me down, have to put that on. Um, yeah, little brother, man, slept on way too hard. Yeah, and the thing with Fonte is Fonte is like he shows you as a rapper how to age gracefully because he he ages with his audience because you know yeah. we most of us around this age we pass the club scene and all that other stuff and we're thinking about other things. Right, and and you know I, I've I've had an opportunity to listen to some of his other projects, um, some of the stuff that he, like uh, that he's done on the R and B side um his solo albums um some of his other groups uh name is escaping me right now but um, foreign exchange yes yes thank you uh but yeah fonte is an incredible artist definitely if i had set it down with any musician uh, i think you know the folks that i would want to connect with would be you know chance because of like just some of the things that he's trying to do politically, uh, as, as well as the the music, but his approach to music, uh, Fonte, just because, like you said, he he has grown up and, and and is not afraid to talk about what it means to be a grown ass man in music, and not try to you know, not try to play to a particular audience or or you know, I don't think Fonte is in it for the dollar. Like I, I know he's trying to get paid because you know who doesn't do anything for a check, but Oh, be still there. Selling out and not, you know, uh, perverse, you know, definitely was sitting. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah, so, See, I, so started, uh, I started saying before we go, you got Kanye anything you want to plug? I, wait, hold on. I just want to say I started talking good about Kanye See, and that's when I lost my signal. So maybe I should just shut up talking about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, hey man. You you take take that red hat off. And, you know. <laughs> but before we go, you got anything you want to plug? Cause man. Uh, www.southbronxcommunity.org uh, that's my school um, you know if you if you have a few dollars that you want to spare we can take your donations um, you know if if I had a better signal uh, I would love like because when you and Ray when Ray was on the show y- y'all started to get into the debate about uh, uh, public schools and charter schools yeah um and, you know like i would definitely you know um tone that. hello yeah yeah so uh when with me and uh Ray did that, we did that at uh at my mom's house. So I have my recording equipment. So uh-huh. next time next time you uh visit Chicago, we can all sit down and just do something with, I can just meet y'all anywhere. We can just sit down and use the recording equipment so it could be everybody can hear each other. <laughs> It'll be clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I apologize for being in and out. Yeah. Yeah, but 
But thank you, uh, thank you, Brandon, for being my guest. I uh, hope to have you again, like in the, whenever you visit Chicago. Or no, I'm actually gonna visit New York in January for Martin Luther King weekend. Like we take my the kids out to do like a whole like Black History tour. Nice that weekend. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm hit you up when I'm in New York. So maybe we can do like I can meet you. We can. I always carry my recording equipment. We can just do part two. Absolutely, yeah. And then then we yeah. won't have to worry about the signal cutting in and out. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We won't have to computer because mine's battery operated. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely, so, uh, definitely uh, would love to do that. Yeah, and so and it'd be thank, dope because I have you come up to the school. You can see what the school is looking like. Talk to some of my kids. Yeah, I, I can tell them. You know how to how to get into higher education. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you for being my guest. Uh, you can catch this podcast on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. Uh, we're trying to get on iHeartRadio, but they hating. <laughs> so, but you can, you can find it at something for the people. All one word on all three of those platforms. And uh, thank you all for listening. And remember to be good and drink your water. <laughs> All right, man, that was, that was-